Hello and welcome to the I Was Gonna podcast. Episode 12, interview with Chef Brian Mall. Brian recently shared this post on LinkedIn after celebrating 19 years of his Shandon Door restaurant in Glasgow. Officially on this day 19 years ago was the grand opening of the restaurant. Hard to believe where all the time has gone. Feeling very grateful to all of you who have been with me and my team from the very beginning and to those of you who have joined us along the way. Thank you for your support. We cannot wait to get back and continue this journey. Still not used to being at home on Saturday, but today I'll make sure I'll crack open a bottle of something nice as a toast. We caught up with Brian to discuss how the coronavirus has affected life at Shandondor and how they're looking to the future. So Brian, um, 19 years, 19 years you set up your restaurant in Glasgow. What was it that brought you up from London to establish the restaurant in the first place? I had been away 20 years nearly um, in France and London. When I, I wanted to come home, it was more, my kids were in London, obviously born in, well, my son was born in London, my wife was pregnant. Um, and we had been looking for premises for what, two, two and a half years um, before we found the one I'm in now. Um, and that was one reason, just obviously with the hours I was doing in London, um, my wife needed a wee bit of help um, with the kids. Obviously, London's not the most friendliest of places, as, you, as everybody knows. It's, um, so when we made the decision to kind of eventually come home, um, and that was the reason that I wanted to do it on my own. Um, as much as I love London, um, I think London, it's one of those ones, if you don't accept London for what it is, you'll never enjoy it um, or, or, you know, what's there. Because London ain't going to change for you. So you yes. need to adapt. So you felt you like you were kind of butt- butting up against the way you think yeah, about it. Yeah, mean, obviously, I'd been there for 15 years nearly, so... I mean, I had a great time in London when I was single and when it was just me and Susan as a couple. Um, I think when the kids come along and, as I say, I mean, I was leaving the house at half six in the morning and getting home at one, half one in the morning. Okay, I was off every weekend, but at the same time, as I say, she was on her own that whole period, Monday to Friday. So, obviously, when my son came along and then she fell pregnant, um, it's, she needed help. So that was one reason we came home, and as I say, we wanted to do our own thing. Um, But I mean, obviously, 19 years passed um, in the 1st of June there, and it's it's obviously soul-destroying because I'm not doing what um, one I set out to do. Um, In Glasgow, I wanted Glasgow to be seen, uh, you know, it wasn't just as much as I wanted to be successful, it was about making a Glasgow uh, destination um, and raising the name awareness of Glasgow. And you know yourself, Glasgow had such a bad name for so many years um, for the wrong reasons, you know. But at the same time, I, I just wanted the city to be, you know, for me, obviously being, I see myself as one of the best in the city, um, and I'm fortunate with the facilities I have downstairs with the private rooms that we can do different events 
you know, now. Um, and we were losing a lot of business when we first opened, um, especially on the, the private um, health or the, the medicine side of the business um, because we didn't have private area. But when we obviously when we built downstairs, that's benefited us. But as I say, it's not the ideal um, situation to be in at the moment, um, 19 years on, and I don't think any of us seen this really, to be honest with you. No. Um, so have you, have you been managing the situation? I mean, it's, uh, obviously it's a, a floating situation. You know, we don't know what's happening uh, for, the, for the most part, but um, how have you been coping? Um, to be honest with you, the first three weeks I had never, I've never obviously had time off like this ever in my 30 years of working. Um, the first three weeks, um, to be honest with you, I was in a, my body was tired after Christmas and I wasn't really in a good place in January, February anyway. So it actually probably came at the right time being able to have the time off and just spend time with the kids, Susan. As I say, I mean, we've married 23 years and we've never spent this much time together. Um, so in, in that respect... That's a good thing though, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it, is, no it, it has been good. No, and, and she's in the background now, so... With a nice... Brownie points to make now. So, no, in fairness, you know, in fairness it, it has been good and I've been able to do things around the garden that I've never, ever did. Um, because I've never got the time, so um, it's been different, um, you know, painting fences and deckings and shit like that. But it's, uh, I think everybody's been painting fences. Well, I, honestly, I mean, I, like going to B and Q in the range, I had never really paid much attention before. To be honest, with you. I and think I think we were we've been living the same life. That's that's basically been much the past week for me. When you walk in and you see the shelves empty. Mm. Ben's paint, house paint, it's just incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. And obviously, things that aren't really going back to normal on like the construction now, but they kind of get the materials. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Sorry. The whole thing's just... It's actually incomprehensible, to be honest with you, um, in this day and age. Uh, you know, we say we're so far ahead in technology and everything else, and the whole world is a standstill. Yeah. You know, it's... For me, it's, it's mental. And it's hard for me because, as I say, I'm used to just waking up, getting ready, leaving, going to work. If I get home, I get home. If I don't, I don't. And just, I do. That's the way the day is. Do you know what I mean? But, I mean, obviously, dealing with the staff over the last um, 10 weeks, um, you get a few surprises along the line with, um, their mentality of what it's the surprises you get. Um, I mean, we're going out of our way to try and do as much as we can um, for them, and obviously some of them throw it back at you. So it's it's hard hard to take in the morning, but it's going out the other side. I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. Cal, we were just talking before you come on, Brian. You know, I think this has demonstrated the best and worst in humanity. And, and the best has been pleasantly surprising just how much people have went out their way to, you know, do fantastic things during this. And I've definitely seen the worst in some people where I just think, I cannot believe you've done that, you know. Yeah. Um, I suppose what I'm interested about is how do you think that's going to shape decisions that you might make in the future differently? 
I mean, going in, going forward, and I'm, we're talking about it at the moment. We're going to have to really, um, unfortunately, get rid of people next week. Um, because I'm paying the furlough. Okay, the furlough is getting paid by the government, but I'm paying the PAYE. And realistically, every penny is a prisoner at the moment. We can't get any help. We've been turned down for grants. Every grant we've been turned down. My rateable value is too high, so I, can't, I couldn't even get the one um, at the beginning. The pivotal one we tried with uh, Enterprise, Scottish Enterprise last week, and we get turned down with that. Um, and I do a cookery demo on a Tuesday on Facebook, Facebook Live, we do it. And two minutes before I went on, um, at half past four, we got the email saying that we'd been declined again and the thing. So that's more for me, the, the money's more really to, to give me a clean slate and starting, you know, getting rid of the debt that we bought. I mean, we went in and sent all the wine back just to clear the debts on our wine suppliers. Um, or to bring the debt down, not so much clearer, but bring the debt down so that they're no mourning. At least they've got some of their money back. Obviously, they've still got to sell it, but it's, for me, you know, it's 10, 10 grand they're sitting in a, a cupboard that's going to be sitting there for, you know, six months, five months, six mm-hmm. months, nobody knows. Um, so, I mean, like so for me, decision-wise, I mean, we're going to have to change... I, I'm not going to have the wine list that I had before. I mean, we used to have about 120, 140 wines all in. And I spoke to my manager. I've got my manager coming tomorrow, actually, um, just to go over a few things. Because it's the unknown. I, for me, the government are confusing everybody more than actually explaining anything. And going forward, if it's a two-metre rule, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Personally, I think we should be able to make our own decision. If you want to go out, you go out. You don't, you don't. And you know, somebody said, if you know, what if somebody passes it on to you? Well, that's my decision for going out. I understand elderly people won't want to go out. I understand that completely. Um, but at the end of the day, we can't stop our lives. We can't stop the children's lives are going out. I mean, I've got an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. How are they going to meet? Other boys are, you know, just unis, you know, their unis are going to be online. They're saying, my neighbour's saying that her daughter's not going to school only two days next year. It's absolutely absurd. The whole thing, you know, it's okay saying that, you know, the country's in bits financially. But that was a decision the government made to close everybody down. If we'd done it earlier, a week earlier, and made it complete lockdown and not let anybody out, I think there'd be a I think it would have changed things um, slightly, but that's, that's only my opinion. And as I say, I try and not watch the five o'clock thing because it just winds me up now. Um, it just winds me up because it's, it's the same shit, it's the same thing, it's the same graphs, except it's less people dying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just less people dying. Um, sure. Like I said, for me, going forward, when we open, my... Obviously, when I've been like doing the painting and the hedges and everything, everything's going through my head. So, the toilets. How do I stop five guys standing next to one another in the urinals? Because all it'll take is one guy to walk in the door and kick off and say, you know, what what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, again, it, they've not gave us any 
guidelines of how that's to be done or not done. That was actually going to be my question was, have you got a date in your mind as to when you want to reopen? And you've also answered some of my questions with regards to the government. Have they actually given you some guidelines as to we've how you do open? guidelines of when we can reopen. Um, there obviously there was talk last week of uh, restaurants, bars with outside areas. That doesn't help me. Um, and I go, we looked at maybe doing the, the what you call it, the takeaway. But the more I looked at it, for where we are, we don't have any residential around us. So, and it's okay, the likes of Nico's and um, Kale Brewer, they've got residential all around them. So, you know, even if they were only doing 50, 60 covers um, and getting it picked up, fine, at least they're getting a turnover. I, if I went back, I would want to be using the stuff that I've had to freeze. Um, it's no ideal, but I had too much money sitting there to, um, to had to freeze it. So I would be wanting to use that up. So I could create menus and do that, and I'm just using it. At least I'm not spending any money apart from maybe vegetables, um, and I'd be utilising the stuff up. But I'd need to do that myself, and then I'd need to bring Susan in to help me bag it all up and vacuum pack bags. Um, and because I, I don't think personally it would pay, um, I would get enough money in to cover the cost of it. Because I've spoke to a few of the guys that have did it. The first weekend, they're all jammed because it's something new for somebody that's, you know, whether it's a chicken burger or whether it's an Indian. Um, but then the following week, it's, it's cut in half, you know, the amount of volume they're getting. So. And that, that's why I started doing the, the demos to bonus on a Tuesday. It's just to keep the name out there. And we've had incredible views on it. I mean, we've got 150 people watching live, and we've had anywhere between ten to 15,000 watching it over the week. Wow, amazing. So, what, 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 what is the Facebook address, Brian, just when you're saying that? Well, see, Bonsi, we, we do cookery demos at the restaurant once a month um, at the beginning of the year. And my wife had said, look, we need to keep in contact with our customers and we'd send them all on emails because we'd got, received a lot of emails and texts um, obviously when it first happened on the devastation of, because I, I was devastated to be honest with you, we had the, uh, so on the Monday, on the Monday he announced don't go to bars, restaurants, clubs and I had the Michelle Rue dinner on the Tuesday. We had 150 people booked for the Michelle Rue dinner on the Friday and the Tuesday, 50 people cancelled on the Tuesday morning because of Boris announcing that. Now, oh. I don't have a problem with him announcing that, but you've got to back it up with something. You've got to back it up with either helping helping us out, and it's the same with the furlough. You know, they're, they're saying that the furlough might come back to 60% in August. How do they expect me, with no money coming in, to, to fork out the other 20%? It's impossible. So if it comes to that, I'm going to have to let everybody go. I'm just going to have to say, look, you know, I'm going to have to start again and look for new staff completely and because it's impossible for me. And that, this is the thing I just, the, that's a frustrating thing for me more so than anything, not knowing what's happening outside. I mean, you're asking dates. We've been no been given any dates, so I've, I've no idea. Um... I'm hoping, I was always in my head it was going to be July, 
and then obviously as times went on, I would say it'll be nearer September. Um, which I, again, I, I don't know. You know, it's it's just so hard, and I don't want to take any more loans out um, because basically I'm just waiting for the devastation further along the line. Mm-hmm. Brian, just one quick question on that. Would your restaurant be profitable uh, using a two-metre guidance? No. I've got, my overheads are too strong. Um, my overheads in the city are, are, are too heavy um, on a monthly or weekly basis. Um, so on the two-metre, um, we had already taken tables out prior to the the whole thing before closure um, and we had enough space in between but we'd need to I think personally going back that I don't think we'll be able to close in the afternoon anymore where we used to open from 12 to half 2 um, and then 5 till 10 I think going out when we reopen one I think our lunch tray is going to be depleted because I think the cities, all the big companies, I've seen how, i.e., the Zoom's working for them and um, with people working at home. Boris is telling people not to use the public transport, so there's an issue there. Um, obviously, at the moment, you'll see the cities a lot busier the last two weeks because there's offices, people going back to the office, and obviously it's still free parking, so people can go into town and they're parking. I mean, last week was the first time that there was... I had to park um, more or less at Pitt Street for the restaurant. I had to walk up. Prior to that, the one car outside the restaurant, that was mine. When I'm, I'm having to go in every two days just for insurance purposes. Um, but that that was, uh, I, I just can't see, you know, especially the, the companies that are maybe paying two, three, four hundred thousand pound rent and rates that they see it's working and they can go into maybe premises it's only going to maybe cost them fifty, sixty thousand pounds and then have one big square open office that they can have a meeting once a month um, on the sales. I'm hoping that we can utilise downstairs as a meeting space um, and that and use that as a meeting space maybe during the day. Um, but again that's something we'll need to as I say, I've got my manager coming tomorrow to discuss a few things that I've scribbled down just like when I'm walking the dog or whatever, I'm coming up with ideas. Um, I was just going to say, Brian, I mean, obviously, you know, you're dealing with, you know, the consequences of everything that's happened and it's, and it can be really, really overwhelming, but are you finding time to actually sit down and go, okay, I've actually got a couple of ideas and you're starting to think about bits and pieces yeah, of ways of going forward, Yeah. I think we'll need to, you know, there's a lot of things that are going through my head that I'm scribbling down, but again, Greg, we're not getting any guidance from the, the, the government on, and until they physically say, okay, it's a metre, it's a metre and a half, it's two metres, what I don't understand is the rest of Europe's a metre, apart from us. I mean, what, two other countries are maybe the same as us, but they're further behind us. So I, I, I just, I don't know, um, Personally, I don't think the two-metre thing. We need to be clever on the bookings, um, on the timings. Before I ran the business on only 20 people every half an hour. So 
20 people every half an hour. I know it doesn't sound a lot, but when you're um, doing the food that we do, cook to order, blah, blah, blah. So say it's 20, 24 people coming in and it's staggered. Or you've got everybody just walks through the door at one time. Because you never know people's, is the book for half seven, you'll have, you'll have ones who'll turn up at 20 past and you'll have ones that turn up at quarter to eight. Um, and then obviously the eight o'clocks are arriving at eight and you have a table at eight at quarter to eight it's, and it becomes all one big service again. If that happens going forward, you know, we're going to have to be more disciplined in telling people that you need to be on time. Um, especially if the government are going to be saying, you know, you're restricted to having 40 people under one roof or in one space at one time. Because, um, you know, we can see 85, 90 people depending on the table plan. Mm-hmm. So going forward with that, and then obviously we'll get downstairs if we can see 60 as one. But if we've got three rooms working, I can do a 12, a 15, and a 20 in the three rooms. If they go to two metres, that space goes to half, you know that, because it's not the mm. the two meters across. It's fine. It's when you're sitting sitting next to somebody, you know. Yeah. Cal, I'm just wondering the, the danger when we get into the detail of COVID is that you know we could all sit here and slash our wrists. I wonder if we could potentially move on for you to tell us what the high point of your career, Brian, is and <laughs> give us something to, to bring some hope back into our world. No, to be honest, I mean, obviously, I've been fortunate in my career. I mean, uh, I'm from Ayrshire, Stevenson originally, and I, I worked in Irvine, and then I went to France. Um, from France, I went to, to London. Um and I believe what's for you'll never go by you, but at the same time, you've got to put in the graph to get there. Um, I mean, I did that. I couldn't speak French when I went. We went with no job, no way to stay. Three of us, we put a thousand pound each in an envelope, and, you know, we, we made our own start in France. When we got there, I did an interview after like a year for an English magazine. And that got me the open. That opened the door for me going to uh, Le Gavroche to work for the Rue Brothers. So, and then obviously when I worked for the Rues, um, I got promoted quite quickly. And then I left for a year, and I come back as um, getting ready to take over um, as head chef when the chef was leaving. So, you know, things. And I had a great time um, as head chef. Yes, stressful and everything else, but. You know, the actual job is, you know, it's satisfying. You know, you're going in at, you know, okay, you're going in at seven in the morning and that's you to one. It's the buzz of the service that keeps you going and it's the adrenaline, you know, when you when you are in the ship, believe it or not, it's uh, when you're in the ship with, you know, whether it's game season or whatever, it's the adrenaline that gets you going through that, uh, that period and, you obviously see that you're getting better at other things and man management and everything else. And it's like when I came home to do my own thing, um, obviously I was quite young. I'd been setting my ways in London and I didn't really care of people's, you know, I wanted to be the best and I wanted to bring the kids who wanted to learn to be the best. Um, so there is good days and bad days in our industry. Um, but it was more 
the kids came to the office. Um, I wanted to make the kids successful. And a lot of them, I mean, all the ones who have, have opened up on their own now have all worked for me um, in Glasgow. So, and a lot of the ones who have moved to Australia, um, you know, other places in the world, they've all got their own places now. And to me, I know that I've, you know, they probably hated me when they worked for me, but at least I know that I'm getting the right message and they've got no pride in what they do. Um, obviously Brian I mean, you're having that influence on the, the younger generation um, can you remember what it was like whenever you first got that, that the passion and the, the bug for it, you know, what made you want to become a chef in the first place uh, I think we had this conversation Greg um, I, I was lucky um, I well lucky and unlucky I enjoyed school for the wrong reasons and it wasn't an education um, so, and I chose, uh, believe it or not, I chose food and nutrition. Um, on, I had to stay on fifth year because of my, my date of birth. And I, I took food and nutrition so I could get away early on a Thursday to do my papers. Um, and the, the teacher liked me. Uh, um, and she got me an interview at Irvine Hospitality and it was, it was a ski and do then um, 30 odd years ago so mm. at that um, that's what got me into it and I would say going to France made me realise um, the importance and the respect that you know the, the, the respect for the ingredients whether it's lobster, foie gras, caviar, or a carrot or an onion, there's the same amount of work put into the carrots and onions as there is to the you know the fishermen going out and picking the lobsters or the you know the, the wee women cleaning up the caviar, putting it in salt. So that you know there is a work ethic behind each ingredient, and when you learn that to respect a carrot the same as a lobster thing. It opened my mind to realising, you know, you know, they're right in that, um, mm. in that respect. And obviously in France, they eat to live, whereas, you know, they, they live to eat, whereas we eat to keep ourselves happy here, you know what I mean? It's, it's a completely different mentality. Um, but I think Scotland's came a long way um, in the last 20 years. Um, you know, not just in Glasgow, but if you look through the country, we have, you know, one, we'll get the, the best fish and meat, and we've obviously got a lot of good restaurants now that are um, coming on. So, you know, you know, for me, you know, I, as I say, I was lucky in getting the job that I got, um, and I've not looked back. Uh, would you would you say, Brian, that you know the Roos have been like maybe your biggest inspiration, or, or have they been? Yeah, they've been massive to me. I mean, yeah. obviously, I put a lot in for them, um, but at the end of the day, I always look at it. I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it for them. Um, I'm there to learn from them, but I'm doing it for me to make myself better um, and put me in a pedestal. You know, obviously when they offered me the head chef job at Gavroche, I wanted to be the best head chef they ever had. So sure. I had no I had no qualms of, you know, chewing the head off someday if he mucked up or whatever. Um, 
it was all about you know streamlining every day you know whether your body's so tired or whatever you've got to make sure that the standards the same every day yeah and that to me is that's, right. that's to me is important you know yeah Sure, you were going to say something, Brian. I'm, I'm curious. You'd, you'd mentioned that you were working in the ski and doing the Irvine, and then uh-huh. you went out to France. Yeah. How, how did you make the jump, and what uh, connection did you have to the Rue brothers? How did you manage to meet them? Well, when there was um, three of us, an English boy, a Welsh, and myself, um, who were all working in the ski and do at the time, and we we tried to go to Switzerland. We sent um, letters to Switzerland, but all the replies um, coming back were, you need a job to get a visa, and you need a visa to get a job then. Now, and I'm 52, so you're talking 30, 30 odd years ago, because we were 18 yeah. when we left. So then we decided we'd go to Lyon. And as I said, we put the money in the thing, went over to France, and we, we walked uh, everywhere in Lyon. We stayed in a youth hostel. Um, to start with, got the three jobs, then we found a flat, we had a studio flat, I shared a bed with my mate for a year, because um, obviously we had no money, um, and then, as I said earlier, the, when I translated the the interview for my chef, uh, he, he asked me what, where did I want to go after I was leaving him? And he sent a letter to Albert saying that um, he would, that I deserved the chance to go to the Gavroche, that's where I wanted to go. He, but he told me I couldn't leave um, for another uh, 10 months. He wanted me to do two years. So as much as he was helping me, he was asking me to stay another (laughs) 10 months. So that was fine. Um, I went, I flew across to London and seen Albert, got the job, um, and never really looked back after that then with him, you know, and, you know, there is obviously a lot of people go through the doors at Gambrosh or for the Rue brothers, um, and I've got a great relationship with Albert and Michelle Jr., and that's, you know, obviously I'm very close to Michelle uh, Jr. Albert's obviously um, aged now, um, he's not as fit and healthy as he was, but um, I still speak to him, you know, probably every couple of months, really, just to keep in touch. But I mean, obviously, Michelle, I probably speak to him kind of in normal situation. I normally speak to him once a week, um, but at the moment, we're just really kind of every couple of weeks. So, you know, that's that's the kind of story behind, you know, the, the connection. Um, yeah. And obviously, they helped me. When we opened um, Gavroche, um, I was cooking for a lot of lords and sirs in London through the Gavroche um, at the weekend and in my own time. Um, so I got to know them and they helped me, obviously, um, when we first opened and they backed me. Um, so obviously that was through the Gavroche. So, you know, I've got a lot to thank them for. And one introduced me to the people initially. Um, and then obviously they backed me once we decided that we were. Um, coming home to do our own thing, you know? Yeah. So, um, Brian, obviously things are you know, not not ideal at the moment um, in the um, in the industry, but if you were to give any advice to a younger 
chef just just starting out what, what advice would that be just be, based on your own experience i mean for me um i've always said you know to kids that especially the ones that come for me that on our journey it's never an easy journey because everybody has good days and bad days in our industry we need to make mistakes to learn but as long as the mistake is controlled before it goes to the customer I don't have a problem with making a mistake but you've got to have a big shoulders to take the shit that's going to go along with it um, if you make the mistake continues I don't mind showing once, twice, three times maybe four, fifth time child, the door's there I'm not wasting time and and that's what I was saying to my manager it's now we've got to be um, we've got to be going out and be bigger and better than everybody out there and come up with better ideas, better service. And, you know, at the end of the day, we don't know what the guidelines are, but we've got, I've got to come up with all these different ideas now um, so we can at least put them into fruition once we have an idea. And it's going to all happen very quickly because she's going to turn around and say, you can open in two weeks' time or three weeks' time and then it's, uh, you've got to get the infrared to make sure that people coming in are okay, the staff every day. And there is going to be multiple hurdles along the road. Yeah. Um, the hard work, I'm not scared of the hard work. It's the guidelines that are going to be put in there. Are they going to help you? Or are they going to um, make it worse for you to even try and put you know, your stamp on it? You know, going back to the question with the kids, you know, for me, it's important that they listen shut their mouth and just listen whether they agree or disagree because if they start arguing with me there's only one winner and they're only winding themselves up mm-hmm. do you know what I mean they're only winding themselves up by arguing with me because I'm not going to back down um, but you know getting the standard and the, the and I think the ones who see the bigger picture see where they want to be I think at the moment our, the, the younger generation don't really have a work ethic I would say not just in my industry, but throughout at the moment. Um, and none of them really have a goal. You know, I was always saying to myself, I would just work for experience till I was 25. And then hopefully by the time I was 25, I would have a decent job with decent money and obviously happy. Um, I think the younger generation don't have, you know, they don't set a sight on where they would like to be or what they want to be or how good they want to be. If you ask them, they just say, that's a job. It, it, it's got to be more a job. It's got to be a passion in our industry. Because, you know, and I think that the government aren't helping with the likes of the eight-hour days. I mean, I don't want my staff doing 15, 16-hour days. You know, that that's changed. But at the same time, at Christmas, if we need to do 12 hours, we need to do the 12 hours. You know, I ask for three weeks or four weeks of madness at Christmas, a wee bit more. Um, commitment. That's the only time they get their they get their ninety fives and their two to tens during the week. But that's going to change when we go back because I don't think I'm going to be able to afford um, bringing in bodies. So the, the the kids are going to work more hours. Unfortunately, we're all going to work more hours, um, yeah. and I think in every industry um, to make it work because none of us know what's coming out of the other side. Thanks to Brian Mall for joining us on this week's episode. 
For more information on the Awasgani project, check out awasgani.co.uk. In the meantime, stay safe and stay home.